Jean-Pierre de Villiers, great to have you on. How are you doing? I'm so good. Thanks for having me, Freddie. I really appreciate it. It's great to and have to you. And to Antonia too. Brilliant. I want to start um, by explaining why you inspire me, or why you've inspired me over the last few years. In 2022, most people know Antonio and I had a car crash. We were just driving across to my father-in-law's and a car came around the corner, wrong side of the road, outside uh, the city of Bath, where we used to live, hit us head on. We were upside down in a ditch and it was incredibly scary. We walked away, but there was no, uh, you know, there was no massive injuries other than a few bruises and bumps. And, and really the biggest thing was a mental change. And we decided that the dreams and aspirations that we'd parked when we'd gone to university and after the traveling and the things we'd done, we decided we wanted to do, to do more, but later in life, we decided to start pursuing it. So we sold our house, moved the business to Dubai and have gone head first into our business. And so when I came across this, I, you know, your story, I felt until then that it was only me and Antonio who had gone through this, you know, life-changing thing, you know, 26, 27 at the time, I felt like it was just us on our journey. And so when I saw your story, and what you'd gone through and how you'd bounced back and showed resilience, it really hit me that this is someone that can help shine a light on the path forward. And so I want to start by asking you to, to explain slightly more of what's happened and then how it impacted your life. So first of all, I want to say I'm so happy that it happened to you so early on in your life. I wish that it happened to me sooner. Mm. But this accident that was actually a collision and happened to me rather than for me, happened when I was 37 years old, uh, running in an amazing direction in life, almost like being on a bullet train. You're in the VIP or upper class, first class, you're around amazing people, but your life's going so fast and you're so set on the next destination that you don't even take the time to look out the window and realize that you've already exceeded your own expectations and maybe you've gone beyond where you actually wanted to get to so you just keep going and going and going uh, what happened for me was i was doing something that i absolutely love to do and that is to support a cause and one of my clients had lost his mother to cancer and another their daughter to cancer so i decided to raise money for a cancer charity and cycled the length of the uk from the top to the bottom 10 days, 1,000 miles, and on the eighth day, as you already know, I was hit head-on by a drunk four times over the limit driver in a hit-and-run collision, left for dead on the side of the road, woke up or came totally conscious and aware of what had happened to me around 11 days later in intensive care still after many surgeries and being told you were in an accident and the doctor saying, I don't understand how you are alive. Someone was watching out for you, you're very lucky. But in that moment, I knew, and it's so clear to me, Freddie, and it's not like BS or some inspirational story that I'm trying to create that can link to my career. The honest truth was that I lay there and I said, thank God this happened to me. Because since the age of 23, I have been learning the tools to understand why we do what we do, why we suffer, how we can do better, and ultimately how we can thrive, not just in life, but through our own adversities and our own challenges. So having spent almost two decades doing that, not part-time, it's the only thing I had done, I knew that if anyone was going to turn this into an inspirational story, I knew it was me. 
So I lay there in intensive care, high on morphine. I looked up at the ceiling and I said to myself, this is going to be a catalyst for compassionate living and for people to chase excellence and overcome their own suffering by just observing me. I will show people that your past doesn't define your future and that what happens to you is not who you are. It's only a part of who you are. It's only something that you've experienced. But what matters is the meaning that you give every experience. And the meaning that I chose to give it in that moment was, watch me. I, I know you're watching me to people all around the world. So keep watching me. And I will show you whether you've been through something before in your life, whether you're going through something now, or whether you go through something in the future, just watch me and I'll show you that you're not alone. So, so how were you able to change that? You just said it there, you know, changing from it happening to me to mm -hmm. for me. How did you make that change in your mind? Because, you know, I can think about that for myself and my own experience, but it's hard to get it to come across as a really impactful statement for me because I go, mm. that person was in the wrong and that happened to me. Almost like, a, it's almost a victim mindset actually, if you Absolutely. think about it. So how did you, or how long did it take and how did you make that change in your mind and the way you approach it? Well, it's, it's not like I just said, oh, it's not my fault. Sure. You know, it took me many years to be able to have that mindset. You know, like going to the gym, uh, the more you go, the stronger you get physically. But the more you go to your spiritual gym, mm -hmm. the more you build resilience, the more you build faith, the more you clarify your purpose and, and the power of your purpose when you're going through tough points in your life or tough times in your life. So it took me many, many years. But one of the things that really helped me was becoming a, a student of meditation and mindfulness. And long story short, I know most people understand meditation. But taken from a Vipassana, which is a, a type of meditation and a Buddhist meditation um, point of view, to be a meditator means to not be attached to things on the external. Mm -hmm. So when we are attached to things on the external, our future, our past, our job, our, um, our goals, this is what causes suffering. And then we start saying when life doesn't go according to plan, we start going, why me? But when you are not attached to any outcome and you have no expectations, or like one of my greatest spiritual teachers that I found when I was in my 20s, Dr. Wayne Dyer said so well, he said, trade your expectations for appreciation. I was able to go, rather than saying why this happened to me, I was able to say, why not me? Mm -hmm. Who am I to think? Am I God? Like, honestly, am I God to think that this should not happen to me? How do I know this is not part of the plan? Part of me un unfolding my destiny. I don't get to say that. I have to accept everything as it comes and not make it worse than it is and just make it what it is and then do my best to consciously and responsibly every day try and make it better. Mm. And how you make it better is just keep allowing yourself to bring yourself to the present moment and say, you know what? It happened, can't change that. Let's not attach ourselves to that. I can't be on my bike, I can't be on stage, I can't be coaching right now because I'm stuck in this bed with metal rods in my legs. But let me just be here. 
and then go, right, what can I do whilst I'm here? And whilst I couldn't do physical and mental things, there's a lot that I could do spiritually. So I sat on YouTube, I watched spiritual teachings, I strengthened my spirit. I've, I've been known as the fitness guy for many years. I couldn't go to the physical gym, but I went to the spiritual gym every day and I built my gratitude. I built my forgiveness muscle. I built my resilience muscle. I built my purpose muscle. And every day, whilst everyone looked at me like I was a victim, I was in the gym. You just couldn't see. I think it's, so, I'm so glad we've touched on this early on because I want to touch, I want to bring people along on your story now. If people haven't seen your your journey back after the accident, you've documented <laughs> a lot of it, right? You did the, yeah. the Gary V and you literally documented the, the whole process and it's an incredibly inspiring process. And just to touch on what you said there about, you know, who do I think I am? Ironically, I think there's a clip from Ricky Gervais where he's talking about confidence to go on stage and become mm -hmm. a comedian. And he said something like, how arrogant do you have to be to think that people are not, people are all gonna love you. You know, um, someone that we know really well always says to me, if you go into a room and expect that at least half of them aren't gonna agree or like you, it mm -hmm. makes a lot of things a lot easier for you. So much uh, easier. Yeah, and I think that approach is something that probably we'll touch on later on in terms of self-confidence, but um, yeah, to, to how dare you have that arrogance to think that everyone should like you. If you go into a room with that opinion, I think it's, I think for me, it's super helpful in terms of mm. getting yourself out there, becoming, um, you know, becoming more comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm. I want to take you, well, I want to listen to your journey, actually, but I want to talk about, um, so you grew up in South Africa. Correct. In, Cape Town. In Cape Town, sure. Um, a place that I'd love to go. Uh, you know, difficult circumstances, father passed away when you were young, but you had an incredible talent for sport. Right, which has been shown all the way through your journey and, and will become a predominant, predominant part of this conversation. Um, but what I wanted to know was how did sport and that talent that you had and the discipline that you had develop the resilient mindset that you've shown throughout your professional career? So first of all, thank you for, that's very kind of you for sharing that. And it's good to know that you know my story. And yes, sport has played a very big role in my life. But I was not always really good at sport. Mm. I just knew that sport was really good for me from a very early age. I did have lots of disruptions and lots of uncertainty and even unsafety growing up. Moved around a lot as a result of not having a father figure around. I became very shy, scared and timid and therefore an easy target for bullies. I don't have anyone to blame. Everyone's just doing their best. But it was tough for me growing up. And after my father tried to commit suicide seven times, he was successful in the eighth time. So all of this just led to me being really a child that just wanted to hide away from life and sometimes even myself. But when I found sport, I got this daily dose of dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, and it was like my suffering didn't exist. And what I did was, if I'm really honest, I used it as a crutch because I just didn't want to feel what I was feeling at home. So in the beginning, I went to sport just to feel better. But when I started getting into sport, the better I got and the better I got, the more confident I became, the more resilient I became, the more powerful I became. And by the end of high school, I went from being in my early school years to being the shy, scared, timid little boy to being super confident. And that's because of building those muscles through sport. And 
for me now, having studied sports psychology and performance psychology, what I know now to be true is that confidence is built through repetition and through achieving goals. So every time you set a goal and you achieve it, your confidence goes up, your wellness goes up, your happiness goes up. But every time you set goals and you don't achieve them, you start becoming a person that's not of your own word. So actually, I said this on another podcast over the last few months, but actually having goals and not going for them is worse than not having goals. Because if you don't have any goals, you can just go through life being average, but you're a person of your word. I'm going to be average. But if you say I'm going to do this and that, one, two, three, and you don't do it, your confidence keeps getting lower and lower. So I kept saying, I'm going to do this cycling race. I'm going to do this rugby match. I'm going to go to practice. I'm going to get a new bike. I'm going to join this team. And every time I did what I said, and I became more confident, more confident, more confident. And eventually that took me to being around 19, 20 years old, thinking I can be anyone I want to be. And I don't think that my city has what I need to grow. So I moved to the UK. And from then onwards, long story made very short, I didn't have an environment to grow into. I went there on my own, first time ever on a plane, and ended up in going in the wrong direction, which is fine. We're all just doing our best. But when I realized I wasn't going in the right direction, I moved and I went back to what I wanted, and that was to be confident, to be in fitness, to, to achieve my goals, etc. And I went back to what I knew worked. Success leaves clues, right? So does failure. So I knew what failure looked like, and it was doing what I was doing, parting, being a hedonist. I went back to what I knew worked, and that was fitness goals, mindset goals, personal development goals. And by the age of 23, I just knew there is, sorry, that, that was 23, by the age of 25, I just knew there is nothing else I want to do in my life. I just want to keep finding out how do we become more confident? How do we become happier? How do we become more fulfilled? And it's by setting goals, achieving goals. Mm -hmm. So many other things, but related to this question, it's setting goals and achieving goals. Specifically, stretch goals. When you set goals that are a stretch, meaning they're not comfortable, you're not quite sure whether you believe you can actually achieve them, because the belief is shakable. By achieving the goal, the belief becomes more unshakable, more unbreakable. So what happens is by achieving the stretch goal, you become more unshakable, you develop more belief in yourself, and then our life always is a match of what we believe. So only by setting stretch goals do you then change your belief and what your goals then are are different. They're higher because your beliefs have changed. So from when I was very young, I set goals that changed my beliefs in myself and my goals got bigger. Mm. And I've just continued to do that my entire life. Doing 10 days across the UK was a stretch goal. Uh, jumping out of planes, stretch goal. Getting back into professional Muay Thai, getting in a stadium with 500 people at 42 years old with gray hair on my beard, that was a stretch goal. Before, I had a belief that I didn't feel I could do it. Now I'm like, what else can I do? And we all get the ability to do that. And I've done it with my clients for many, many years. Anyone that's worked with me privately, they know. The first thing I'm going to ask you is, if you want to change who you are, what are you going to stretch yourself into? 
And if you're not willing to do something that stretches you, I'm not willing to work with you. I think that's really, I think that's brilliant that you put that onus on the person. Mm. And there's so many points in there that I want to pull out, but I'll pull out a couple straight away. You're talking about effectively the way I'm taking it is building up that mountain of value by setting those goals and practicing to make yourself be more confident is what I'm taking. And it, it throws me back to school, actually, to a, to a PE teacher in particular, where, you know, when you grow up and you're always told, you know, my parents told me practice makes perfect. And this PE teacher stood at the front of the class and said, practice makes permanent. So if you set yourself a goal or you set yourself a practice, you're going to do something and you practice it wrong, it's never going to be right. As much as you practice, it's mm. always going to be wrong. It makes it permanently wrong. But if you make it right and you, you focus on the small things and the quality, you're going to make something permanently right. So practice makes permanent, not perfect. And I think that is almost exactly the same when I'm listening to you and talk about stretch goals. If you set yourself a stretch goal, which is too much of a stretch, and you don't then take those small steps towards it, you won't reach it. And actually what will happen is you'll get on that path of, you know, shaking and you're, you know you're going to miss it. And so not you start believing to, in yourself. You don't believe in yourself and that yeah. stretch goal becomes not a stretch goal, just a normal bait, a normal goal. So I guess my question is actually, how do you make sure when you set a stretch goal that it's not too far? That it's not that moonshot that's going to be so far away that you you know you, you go maybe i'm not going to make that how do you how do you approach that so first of all to great question to go to what you just said about practicing something and it becoming permanent you know that saying whatever you practice you get better at people really have to pay attention to the word whatever it, this principle is not only applied for growth goals for mindset goals for business goals it's for anything. So if you practice negative self-talk, you will get better at it. If you practice being a victim, you cannot stay the same. The only constant is change itself. You're always reinforcing something. So are you reinforcing something that is making you die or you're reinforcing something that is making you grow? And I believe that everyone has practiced something long enough that they are a master at it. Whether that is good mastery or bad mastery, or healthy mastery, unhealthy mastery, I don't know. That's for them to go within themselves and to ask themselves, what am I masterful at? Is it serving me or not? But I have three steps to mastering anything. Number one is the idea, right? To become better at fitness or sport. It's only an idea. It's only a moment of awareness, but nothing changes. You can come off this podcast, come off an event. There's only an idea, there's only a concept. It's only when that is put into practice that you can start to move towards mastery. But if you don't practice something a lot, enough, you will never reach the third phase, which is identity. And unfortunately, people practice, they have an idea or something was told to them at one point in their life that you can't do this, you're not good enough, you're not good at writing, or you're a terrible speaker, whatever. And it can be people in their 40s, 50s, 60s that just said, you know what, I'm gonna get up on stage and they got bad feedback. Now they go and practice that internally. They practice, 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 and eventually it becomes their identity. I am not a good speaker. But we get to turn that around. And it's always consciously and responsibly our responsibility. No one's going to do it for me. It's our choice. You can say, right, what do I want to be masterful, masterful at in my life? Write down 10 areas of your life you want to be masterful. Have the ideas, have the clarity, ask yourself what do I need to put into practice and then be non-negotiable about that. Because if you're not non-negotiable, you're negotiable. And that goes for your mindset, your goals, your resilience, etc. So it's interesting, based on your question, 
about not setting goals too high. It's interesting because I'm actually here in the studio because I'm in Dubai because I'm speaking at an event tomorrow morning with Charlie Johnson, who I know you know well, little plug for Charlie, Um, or shout out, should I say. Charlie doesn't need a plug, he's plugging himself every day. (laughs) I'm speaking on living your truth. And to live your truth is just a model for T-R-U-T-H for living your greatest potential. The first T in truth is to trust your intuition. Sometimes we take so much advice from people that we actually just stop trusting ourselves. And I'll stick my hand up. For the audio listeners, my hand is up right now. Sometimes we just think, I need to listen to this person, I need more knowledge, etc. But actually, what I've found in being a uh, now a master of meditation is the person I need to take advice from the most is myself. And the more still we are, the more still we become, the wiser we become. So when it comes to setting stretch goals, I could give an answer that sounds very coachy, but the truth is, you know better than anyone. And if I was sitting with you in a coaching conversation, that's exactly the thing I would say to you. You know whether this is too much of a stretch or not. And also at the same time, Freddie, you know whether this is comfortable or not. Mm. And no one knows that better than you. But it's not thinking, it's knowing. If you think what your goal is, you'll never reach the truth because the truth isn't here in your mind. The truth is here in your heart. It's in your intuition, it's in your gut, it's in your center. Whether you take that from a um, a Buddhist point of view or a spiritual point of view, the truth is always here in your body, not up here in your brain. And this is the most challenging journey in the world, but the most rewarding to go from your head to your heart. But when you can make that journey, you get access to your greatest wisdom, your greatest guide that has been supporting you your entire life, yet most people block it out. We call it our feelings. There is no greater guide in your life than your feelings. So I've gone a bit deep on quite a simple question, but for good reason. Our life is made up of our decisions. Our life is made up by our habits and our goals. And what you know you can do is what you should be doing, not what other people tell you you can achieve. And once again, if you lack belief in yourself, keep working on these things that you think you can achieve and that you feel and believe you can achieve. And once you achieve those, just give it time. Give it time. In Thailand, there's a saying, Zayen which means calm down. Mm. Right, just go for what you believe you can do, but not based on who you already are. If you set your goals based on who you already are, you'll forever be living in the past. There needs to be a little bit of questioning. Ah, can I do this? But then the should you, whether you should do it, should be based on what your intuition tells you. And there is no greater wisdom. It's, I think that's actually so much more to think about there than, than I think a lot of people will give it credit for. There's so much depth in, in that. And actually, it made me think about your story again. If you, th- if you think about you know, feeling and intuition, and you already said a few moments ago or minutes ago that failure leaves clues. Mm-hmm. So to give some context, you, you touched on cycling. 
let's give that the background it, it deserves. Semi-pro cyclist, uh, you know, super good level. We'll get that in there. Story. And, then, <laughs> and then we'll go into, you know, you touched on DJ, super successful DJ being flown around the world to do DJ sets. And that's when you got to sort of 23 and that's when you touched on the, the route becoming a bit more <clears throat> treacherous perhaps. But then you talked about, you know, that failure leaves clues, but also that feeling and the intuition, intuition where your body and sorry, your heart and your mind come together and you start mm. to understand you're down the wrong path. So how did that happen for you? What, at what point did you say, you know, you touched on the, the sort of the range between 23 and 25. How did you start to realize I'm going down the wrong path here and I'm going to make a correction for myself? So first of all, another great question and thanks for being such a great listener by the way i can really see you listening with <laughs> all your intention to go back to word we were sharing before it's quite an intense conversation for that because we both are our, our energy is very deep in this yeah. but i've always been very introspective and i've always been a searcher a seeker of the truth i remember even when i was in school and i'm sure i don't speak for myself i speak for many people out there I felt separate to everyone. I felt like I was observing everyone. I felt like I, I could almost, it's almost like at times, not all the time, but at times it felt like I was in a performance and I was watching everyone play out their role. So when I was 23 years old, I was in Riga, Latvia. I just finished DJing to two and a half thousand people in a club called Nautilus. And I sat in my hotel room, not having slept, high as a kite, I can't tell you how much alcohol I drank. I mean, I was backstage. I had my own waitress behind the DJ booth, just bringing endless drinks. I remember I had a gambling chip and I couldn't use it because I was too drunk. And in that moment, I thought about something that still now at 42 years of age is at the center of my life. And it's this, do I value what I'm doing? Is this valuable to me? And I realized that it wasn't. I realized that the life that I'd created was driven by ego and suffering. Ego wanting certain things in my life and suffering not wanting things. And actually, many, many years later, when I studied Buddhism and I lived and ordained as a Buddhist monk, I was to realize that the root causes of our suffering are wanting more of what we want, desire, greed, attention, and also um, anger. Not wanting what we don't want, and including not wanting suffering in our life, right? That's mild anger, but it's still something that you want to push away. Anything that you want to pull towards you, anything that you want to push away, this causes suffering because there's always some kind of tension there. You're not just relaxed. So I asked myself, do I value this? And the answer was no. What do I value? And that brought me to the second thing that still today I share with people and I live by. And that's, is what I value and how I'm living my life in alignment with a compelling, inspirational vision for my life. And when I sat there in that hotel room at 8 a.m. or whatever it was on January the 1st, I just could not see a vision. It's like picking up a, a movie you can tell my age now, <laughs> yeah, going to a video store and there's, there's no picture. I just couldn't see it. So I just asked myself, what am I doing here? This doesn't make sense. But what I knew was that at 20 years old, I went to the UK on my own. 
And therefore, I had no one else to blame for my decisions. I could not blame anyone. I could not blame my parents. I couldn't blame the government, the weather, nothing. It was my fault. And I took radical responsibility for that. So I thought, okay, if I can go in one direction, I can go in another direction. I just need to figure out what direction do I want to go in life? And 20 years later, I'm still doing that. The direction is point A, what do I value? And am I living in the things that I value most? That's the greatest success, right? The things that you value most are the things that make you happiest, the things that make you come most alive. Ask anyone in the world that day to day is living their highest values, if they're successful or not. I doubt you will ever find anyone that says no, because you're living out your success. It's not in front of you. It's not separate from who you are or where you are. But in that, all human beings need to be growing spiritually. So it's what is the vision for your life? And that's what the last 20 years of my life has been about. Keep clarifying my values. Keep clarifying my vision. And keep working in a meaningful mission that keeps me, keeps me in alignment with my values and my vision. And then remember my why and my purpose for when, as Mike Tyson says, life punches you in the face, where he says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, life's going to punch you in the face. An accident's going to punch you in the face. You guys know that, right? I know that. Business will punch you in the face. COVID will punch you in the face. So you need to have a strong why to keep getting up and going forward so that you can stay strong and never, ever settle in your values and your vision. I think it's incredible. And and just touching on sort of as the story develops there, once you had finished as a as a DJ and sort of tying everything you've just said there together in terms of values and aligning and actually the journey of self-development, that's when you became reshape coach, right? Where you were working with people, you know, <laughs> online and in person. Man, as you've a, been Googling. Like, I know everything. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes when we do this podcast, I feel like I know too much. I feel like a stalker when someone comes in. <laughs> Anyway, so you're working with these people and you're transforming them. You're also um, sponsored as a Muay Thai athlete. Mm. At what point when you're working with these people and you're having a massive impact on their lives physically, did you realize that you're actually having quite a profound impact on yourself, but also them spiritually and mentally and sort of how that journey could progress you forward? So first of all, I really appreciate the research that you've done. I don't think anyone in a podcast has ever called me the reshape coach, or at, le oh, really? at least not in the last seven or eight years. <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate that. It means a lot. For me, I realized it very early on. I went into, like I said, at 25 years old, I said, right, I just want to go back to getting into living my full potential, or at least going after my full potential, changing my habits, my thoughts, everything that I was doing. And at 25 years old, I knew I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. But you've got to go back to what you know has worked for you or what you're already good at or what skills you already have. And for me, like I mentioned before, it, I'd been in sport for a long time. So I thought, okay, how do I keep growing and helping others do the same? And how, where do I start? And it was an easy move for me, fitness. So I got a job in the gym. Three years later, or even less, probably two and a half years later, I was fully booked. I went from being the fitness or the sales consultant in a gym and asking every personal trainer, how much do you make? How many clients do you have? How does it work? I just was like asking every question I could to 
honestly, some of the personal trainers hating me two and a half years later because I was so busy. And it, I realized very quickly, the reason why I was so busy is because I realized that most of my clients didn't care about split routine workouts. They didn't care about fast twitch, slow twitch muscles. They didn't care about, you know, me going through the different types of macronutrients and micronutrients. What most of my clients, some did, but what most of my clients wanted is they wanted to feel good. Everyone wants to feel good and everyone is dealing with their own suffering. So I knew I needed to take them from suffering to thriving or from surviving to thriving. And very quickly, I learned that that was not to do with physiology, that was to do with psychology. You can change the physiological state in the gym, but if you don't focus on the mental state, they will leave the gym, be on a high, the high will end, and they'll just go back to their same habits. So I had to change the way they were thinking and who they were being so that they would do different things that would get them different results. So from the first year or so, I spoke to psychology. I didn't go deep into you know, how the body works or anything like that. I would be training my clients and I would be asking them about their children, about their goals, about their values, about the vision for their life, about where they see their future five years from now. So I was coaching even before I knew I was coaching. And some of my clients even became a little bit addicted to that because they thought they were coming for a personal trainer, but that was a setup. What they were coming for was their own transformation. And they were signing up over and over again for their own transformation because they believed in their own transformation. And I just became a catalyst for them to do the work, to believe in themselves more. So after three years, I realized that I was not most effective in the gym. I was most effective, what I call going from the basement to the boardroom. And I started working more with just executives. And I started having personal trainers train my clients because I didn't need to do the body work. I needed time to, I needed to spend time with their psychology. I needed to understand what they were thinking, why they were thinking it, where we can go back to the root of where that thought came from, how we can change the meaning of that experience and start developing better thoughts that were more self-serving. It's like a completely holistic approach, isn't it? And the, yeah. I think the best way to to learn is to teach. So the way that you're developing through your story is that you're literally learning, teaching, learning, teaching. You can see how you would have grown up, right? Not grown mm. up as a, you know, grown up um, mentally. And so a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. And I genuinely believe that 80% of entrepreneurship um, is in the mind. And I wondered if you short shared that view. And if, you know, the people that you've worked with throughout your journey, you've just touched on there, it seemed like you realized that the physical part is certainly important and the healthy hustle and being healthy in general and spiritual, but actually 80% is in the mind. And, and you know, you're touching on there on working with executives and probably entrepreneurs. And how powerful did you, or do you believe that the mind is in that journey to success, quote unquote? I, I would just say it's 80%. Sure. Because today I actually work mostly just with business owners and entrepreneurs. Uh, because I'm not in London anymore. So I'm, mm. yeah, I'm all over the world working with business owners that are under a lot of pressure and have no one telling them the truth. And I give them the truth, accountability and good energy, right? Because people want to be around good energy, especially when you're under pressure all the time. And 
I've started saying over the last couple of years that skill is not enough. If skill was enough, you could go to any conference in the world and that would be enough. Just keep learning new skills and that would be it. But there's a reason why only certain amounts of people thrive in any industry, in sport, in business, in any, uh, any kind of sport, gymnastics, road cycling, swimming, it doesn't matter. Not everyone has what it takes to be the best or to be able to thrive under pressure. And that is because skill is not enough. What is more important than skill is psychology. And having studied psychology, I know that to be true. The science is there, the studies are there to prove that if you have a, a set of psychological skills, you will perform better. You will have more resilience. You will be more long lasting in whatever you're doing. Recently, I've had an opportunity to join a, a team of people. And I've not actually shared this publicly yet because it was very recent. But my intuition told me that how it was being presented to me was not for me. And it was because it would mean that I am a pillar of this business, but the structure was that I would be an employee mm. with profit shares, right? So it's an amazing opportunity. I have nothing but love for the people in this opportunity and I am going to be a part of it. But how it was presented to me, it didn't sit with my intuition. And it's because, well, one of the things was that I kept having this thought come up in my mind. I didn't build the psychological skills for 20 years to last in an industry where people come and go and be here for 20 years to become an employee. I just couldn't do it. And whether that's ego or not, I don't, I don't know yet. All I know is my intuition said, I can't do this. Because I know the one thing that it takes to become the best at what you do I've been working on that for 20 years. It's like asking me to go to the gym for 20 years and then say, you can't go anymore. I just couldn't do it. So I said, I will keep being an entrepreneur and a business owner and you can hire me whenever you need. And that really sat well with me because like I said, I knew, I knew that I had what it took to be successful. I didn't have to give up on what I was doing. I didn't have to change lanes. I didn't have to go down a different path. I already have, and I've already shared with others, what you need to be successful at anything. And that's why I can get in the boxing ring at 42 and win by technical knockout, by fighting a champion that's undefeated in his last seven fights, because it's not about skill. If you think that skill is enough, You've seriously missed the point. And of course, I'm not speaking to you, Freddie. I'm speaking <laughs> to someone listening. Sure. Skill is not enough. Develop your psychology and have the psychology of a champion. Yeah. Have the confidence of a champion. Have the certainty of a champion. And everyone can have that. I know because I never had any of it growing up. I, I, I think it's, uh, I completely agree. And I think I'm almost stunned by like, the energy that you bring because you know, the question was about how can entrepreneurs um, how can entrepreneurs utilize what you're talking about? And I completely understand and I completely agree that that when you're when you've got stress, having that energy around you and that confidence, 
from yourself, but also if you can create it internally, is massively powerful. And what you're touching on there about you know people um, people having to have self belief is something that we work on in our business a lot and speak to our clients about because people that are worse than you are getting your clients because they're better at communicating. Mm. And it's the same thing. You might have the most the cleverest person in the in the world in the corner, but you can still do better than them because you can communicate your message. You can bring other assets. You can have a better personality, whatever better means. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, not being put down on, com you know, comparison is a thief of joy almost, mm. isn't it? So if you look at all these things and try and compare yourself to others, you're ultimately already in that victim mindset where you can't succeed. So the energy that you bring makes me feel like motivation comes and goes. Discipline is what we need, but having that energy alongside it and trusting your intuition is incredibly powerful. And I can completely resonate with it. I, I would say it's probably the most important thing in life. And that's exactly how I'm starting my talk at this conference tomorrow. Uh, okay. It's trust your intuition. Love yourself enough, man, to trust yourself. Like if you can't trust yourself, no one else is going to. Not to the level that you need trust. If you're going to live out your greatest potential to have an incredible journey and multiple journeys in your life and just live so fully, so alive that you get to the end of your life sliding into your grave thinking, what a ride. You've got to trust yourself. Just go for it. Mm. I posted something today just saying, just go for it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to fail. If you're willing to learn and willing to grow, then there's no real such thing as failure. But you've got to trust yourself. And to win in anything, to truly win, you need to be happy in what you're doing. So if you're going after whatever you want in your life, whatever you want in your business, your industry, and you don't feel happy, I'm going to encourage you to have a look at your life and do something different. Because the greatest success in life is happiness. So find out what makes you happy, what makes you come alive, not what the world needs, because what the world needs is more people who come alive. And then build the psychological skills to become a badass mm. and live your life successfully and fulfilled every day. I love it. And back yourself is, is, is so important. Absolutely. Backing yourself. And before we started recording, um, TikTok might have caught it actually, we were talking about um, Stephen Bartlett, right? And on his podcast, yeah. he has a team of 40 and they're testing things. And there's a head of experimentation who her literal job is to fail as much as possible so that they learn. You shouldn't be scared of failing. You should, be, you should, you should welcome it. You should want those failures. And actually, you know, to have that confidence to become a badass leads me onto a, uh, just a different question. Where did the term spiritual gangster come from? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think it's brilliant. First of all, do you know Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx? Sure. Okay. So billionaire. Yeah. She said that in many interviews, she said this. She said one of the reasons why she was so successful is because when she was a child and she would come home from school, her father would ask her, where did you fail today? Ah. And if she couldn't say where she failed at least once, he would be disappointed in her. So she had to go look for a way to fail every single day. And that's why she was never afraid to go out there and build a business because her association to fear was this isn't sorry. Her association to failure was this is not a negative thing. <laughs> I've always been someone that is a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Is nice. that right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. I've always been different. I've always been unique. I've always been a bit crazy. I've had my own coaches from in my 20s call me a rock star. 
Uh, and then in my late 20s, early 30s, because I started being covered in tattoos, I was the serious entrepreneur, but at the same time, you know, I can throw some good moves and I have a bit of swagger to my walk and a bit of a lean. People just started looking at my energy and started thinking like, who is this guy? He's, you know, he's very unique. And people just started calling me spiritual gangster, including my clients. And then just last few years, it just really caught on. And uh, I definitely don't want to define myself <laughs> no, by it, but it really is a good summary of who I am and, and what my identity is. You know, I'm very spiritual. I want to understand compassion and suffering at the deepest level. That's why I've lived in silence for 16 days. I ordained and lived as a Buddhist monk to understand suffering. How can I share something that I don't understand? How can I gift something that I don't understand? How can I end something that I don't understand? And at the same time, I just don't take life very seriously. I just have a lot of fun. You know, I'm covered in tattoos. Sometimes I think about my tattoo for five minutes and I go, well, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. Because I just feel like we're just not going to get out alive. People take life too seriously. So yeah, my playful side, my rock star side, and my super spiritual monk side makes me the spiritual gangster. <laughs> it's a good summary of the energy that you bring, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. So I want to put this question to you. So say that I'm an entrepreneur, which is true. Say that I have limiting beliefs on the potential that I have. I don't think that I can achieve my stretch goals. I don't think that I can achieve the success and the dreams that I've set myself out. How would you start to help me combat that limiting belief and that sort of box that I put around my life and the trajectory I could get to? Well, first you've got to understand what it is that you really want because your beliefs, like I said, are just a match of your life. So if you look at someone and you ask them, what are your goals? They're going to give you goals based on their beliefs. But if you go deep into their heart, right, the goals that you set yourself are only a result of what you currently believe. If you go deep into someone's heart, most of the time you're going to find a different answer. So the first step to finding out what you really want and then working on anything that is in the way or maybe anyone that's in the way and that has affected the way you believe or what you believe is to crack someone's heart wide open. I do that through healing work. I do that through hypnotherapy work. I do that through coaching. I also now do that through plant medicine and I help people crack their hearts wide open so they question their own beliefs and when you start to question your own beliefs you question your own reality and you question your own goals then when you know what you really want excuse my accent really r-e-a-l-l-y then you can start looking and addressing or looking at and addressing anything that's in the way and most of the time that's beliefs so You've got your certain goals. How do you change those goals? Crack your heart wide open. Be willing to trust yourself. Be willing to forgive yourself. Be willing to forgive others in the world. And go to that place that is your subconscious, like underneath the water of the, of the iceberg. You know, we only see the little bit of the iceberg. That's our conscious mind. That's the program that we see in the 3D reality. It's everything that we see day to day. But why the Titanic sunk was because it couldn't see under the water. 
now we have many ways in which we can go under the water into our subconscious, our program, what's writing or what has been writing our program over our entire life. And when we can go to that place of truth, we can start to work on ourselves from that place rather than keep blocking it out, keep putting band-aids on the wound or for the rest of our life. And a band-aid on your wound can be business. As long as I'm successful in business, I don't have to address the truth. It can be fitness. This is coming from a fitness guy. Fitness is very healthy, but to some people, fitness is a band-aid on the wound. So first you've got to take off the band-aid. You've got to face the wound, face the trauma, be willing to go to that place, which requires both fear and courage. Feel safe enough to go to that place. And then once you've gone there, ask that version of you, what do you really want? Probably one of the most powerful questions you can ask in your life. And then match your beliefs to those goals. And like I said, you can build psychological skills, you can get accountability, you can create stretch goals for yourself that keep reinforcing your newfound beliefs or your newly created beliefs. And then thirdly, it's to be non-negotiable in your habits. You have to be absolutely non-negotiable because like I mentioned before, not for a lack of content, but because it is true and very, very important for the, the listeners. If you have a, a list of daily goals and you don't achieve them, you're becoming worse every day. So either don't have goals or have goals and be absolutely non-negotiable about them because if you can't be a person of your word, how can you trust yourself? and trust your gut, trust your intuition. So it was a lot there in that answer, but I hope that's helpful. Super helpful. And I like what you touched on there with fear and courage and actually doing that deep introspective work first is the foundation then from everything, isn't it? And, and we're really big on um, a healthy hustle, authenticity, um, working towards your goal and your vision because that's ultimately what's gonna get you up in the morning. It's not things like money and after a certain point, it's not the flashy things. It's there's got to be a bigger mission and something that I'm not good at but I would love to get better at and I know that you are good at is meditation mm. and I'd love to just touch on you know before we finish up how we can how the power of meditation for a start but also how we can utilize it how we can start getting into it and start trying to harness the power of meditation as people that right now would probably have the excuse of I'm too busy so how, how can we start to get into meditation and, and reap the rewards whilst understanding that it's delayed gratification. It's not going to be a quick fix, but it's something we probably should be looking at doing. I think it's important to first understand why meditation before the how, because I don't think enough people understand why you should meditate. I briefly mentioned before that taken from Buddhism, the root causes of our suffering include greed, wanting more of what we want, anger, not wanting what we don't want, and wanting to push something away, and ignorance. Ignorance, in this context, thinking that there's nothing more to learn. This creates suffering, because we live then in the known world for the rest of our life, without seeking discomfort, without seeking the unknown, without seeking the unpredictable. And when you sit in meditation, it's all in the unknown because you don't know what's going to come up next. 
You don't know what's going to manifest in your body. You don't know what's going to manifest in your mind. But to sit in meditation means to create a an unknown self, an unknown future, and therefore a newer version of you, a better version of you. So when we move into meditation, we move into an unknown self, an unpredictable self, and we can start to explore versions of ourselves and look at what have we been doing, what have we been, what have we been craving, what have we been pushing away from that's actually not serving us. These root causes of our suffering, as long as, long as they exist, we will always have suffering in our life. I'll say that again. As long as these three root causes exist, clinging, greed, pushing away, aversion, ignorance, thinking that we can't grow, we can't learn, we can't become, we will always have suffering in our life. Meditation is the answer for removing this suffering. In Buddhism, it talks about the four noble truths. One, the first noble truth, is that suffering exists and it will always exist. Number two, we create our own suffering. Number three, there is a path to removing our own suffering. And number four, you need to follow that path. Well, meditation, having been taught for 2,600 years, at least from Buddha's perspective, is the path to removing that suffering. So if anyone has any kind of suffering in their life, meditation is the answer. And you don't have to climb the Great Wall of China, be hit by a car, ordained as a Buddhist monk. I did all that work for you. When I left my Buddhist experience or my Buddhist monk experience, my teacher monks asked me, what will you take from this experience? And I simply said one thing without any hesitation, that everything comes after meditation. Because there's not a single thing in life that meditation doesn't improve. It improves the relationship with your business, with others. Most importantly, it improves the relationship with yourself. And meditation is the greatest meeting you will ever have. It is the greatest project you will ever work on. Is sitting with yourself. So that is the why to meditate. If anyone wants to remove their suffering, don't take my word for it. Experience it yourself. That's what Buddha said. 2,600 years ago, experience yourself. That's the why. The how is to just bring yourself to your breath. Meditation is not about not thinking, although that's what some people might think. Meditation is about studying your awareness and understanding where your thoughts go. Are you the puppy on the leash or are you the person in control of the puppy, the puppy being your mind? If you, you are the puppy and your mind is running crazy, you will always be a slave to your thoughts and therefore you cannot be at peace and harmony. But when you become the witness, when you become the observer of the puppy and you can train the puppy through sitting in meditation, sit, stay, healed. Eventually over time, the puppy sits still or the puppy takes whatever command you give it. And this is the power that we have over our own thoughts. Imagine being able to be in control of your thoughts in any single moment. And if it gets out of control, to know exactly what to do, to take charge again. That is the power of meditation. And it starts with your breath. And every time you find yourself going away, drifting away, 
bring yourself back to your breath. Because as long as you are focusing on your breath, you are here and now. Because you cannot be anywhere else. I think that's such a powerful way to finish the conversation. And meditation is something that is going to be part of my 2024 and beyond. And, and JP, this has been an absolutely awesome conversation. Thank you so much for sharing and for being here. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Antonio, as well.